and welcome to episode 30 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Now, this week, my co-host Eva is out, so I've actually got, uh, well, it was supposed to be Jeff and Sarah from uh, Trivial Trivia Podcast, but Jeff, unfortunately, has lost his voice, so we have Sarah joining us instead. Hi, how are you? Doing good. Thank you so much for doing this, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Sorry, we've had such a uh, rocky start to things here. That's okay. I mean, you guys just went through the tor- uh, the tornado that you had that hit out there in Illinois. Uh, I know yeah. you guys have had all sorts of craziness going on, so it's fine. <laughs> it was a little bit of a crazy weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about uh, Trivial Trivia Podcast. Well, we are a trivia quiz show. Um, We have two rounds, general knowledge and a movie round with 10 questions each. So each week it's a different movie and a different general knowledge topic. Um, We also have the Wikipedia listener challenge, which which involves our listeners answering um, or linking to Wikipedia listener or well, Wikipedia articles together and sending in their answers. And whoever wins that gets to choose our movie for two shows later. I may have to use some of that a little bit, maybe sometime do the six degrees of Kevin Bacon and have our have people suggest movies for us. So I may have oh, to go do that. for it. I may have to steal a little bit of that from you guys. <laughs> that you know what? We stole basically stole our entire show from um another podcast that was on well before we got started and couldn't even tell you off the top of my head what it was called. Um Trivia War. Okay. We stole the basis of our show off of Trivia War. <laughs> so well, I, I will be it honest. I, I plagiarized uh, Tooncast from the Geekcast Radio, Geekcast Radio Network, who I had one of the uh, founders on last week, uh, TFG One Mike. So I kind of stole this from him. But hey, it works, and it, it it's fine with me. It's fine with him. So you know, it's nice. The podcasting community is very forgiving. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and happy to share ideas. We we've yes. we've used quite a few things that other podcasters have done, and. Our show has become kind of a mix of many different shows. And that's what makes it your own. So Yes. Uh, but anyway, I've got you on this week because we're actually going to be talking since we are recording this just before Thanksgiving since we're, we're all going to be kind of out for Thanksgiving. But I wanted to do this for an after Thanksgiving Christmas special. So we are talking this week about a 1988 American comedy film. Uh, which was kind of a modernization of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Uh, the film was – the film, for those who don't know, it stars Bill Murray in it. Uh, it is Scrooged. movie actually was – it was directed by Richard Donner, who for those who have heard the name, uh, Richard Donner did uh, Superman. Uh, he did a, a version of Superman 2 before he got pulled. Uh, he did The Goonies, uh, Gremlins. So – Richard's got a bunch of movies under his belt here. Kind of one of my favorite. I kind of like this movie in Christmas stuff. Uh, It's got a lot going on for it. It, I I mean, it's the same old story of A Christmas Carol. So if you've ever seen A Christmas Carol or know about it, you know, with Scrooge and the three ghosts, that's basically what happens with this. But it's it's got a lot more comedy in it. you know, I I love some of the stuff that comes up with with uh, Carol Kane and Bobcat. She's Goldway. hilarious. Oh, 
Uh, one of the other things I did pick up on, and I really was noticing this, Danny Elfman uh, scored, he composed uh, the music for uh, for Scrooge, and I really kind of noticed it towards the end. Uh, but I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that here a little bit later on. Oh yes, I have some notes from Jeff on that one. <laughs> Good. I'm glad glad he's inputting, even though he's not here with us tonight. Oh yes. Uh, now, for those who haven't seen the film, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the cast of the film here. Uh, it was it stars Bill Murray, Karen Allen, Bobcat Goldthwait, uh, John Forsyth, Carol Kane. Uh, John Hausman, Robert Mitchum shows up in supporting roles. And then we also have uh, Bill Murray's brothers, Brian, John, and Joel Murray, who appear in the film as well. Uh, so we'll kind of start off here with Bill Murray. Uh, he plays Francis Frank Cross. Uh, he also known as Lumpy uh, by Karen Allen's character. Uh, Bill, he's kind of had, he, he's actually got quite a big, uh, background for him for what he's done oh uh, yeah yeah i mean we, we've had him in caddyshack as the groundskeeper uh obviously peter vankman in ghostbusters one and two uh he played himself in zombieland which i i still love that it's hysterical his he is hysterical in that yes and of course the the very end scene brings to mind the fact that he voiced garfield because they ask him when he's dying any regrets none well maybe garfield <laughs> I love that. It was just one of those one of those great little lines that he belted out there. It was just kind of like, okay. So, uh, supposedly he's he's supposed to be coming back for a Ghostbusters three movie, uh, but we'll see if that actually happens because I know that there's been kind of some things going on between him and uh, Aykroyd and and Reitman. So we'll see what happens. And he was also in – he played FDR in Hudson on Hyde Park. Yes, and that was an excellent Hard Pike on Hard Park – Hyde Park on Hudson. Yes. I, I was and really surprised. And he was surprised. fantastic. So he definitely – he can act. He doesn't have to play the comedy roles. He, he can play very serious Oh, no, he did a fantastic, ro- fantastic job playing a very straight role. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I did see him in Lost in Translation, which I liked as well, even though it was kind of just one of these weird films. Uh, but that was one where he was kind of like out there and it was not a it was not a very comedic role. He did have a few funny things in there, but not like he was more of a straight man. So I kind of like mm-hmm. that. Uh, now, next person we're going to talk about, Karen Allen. And I'm sure a lot of people are going, who is Karen Allen? She looks really yes. familiar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh Karen, she showed up in The Perfect Storm as Melissa Brown. Uh she was the mom in the movie The Sandlot. And of course, the role that I remember her from, she was Marion Ravenwood in Raiders of the Lost Ark and the horrible Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Yes, that was awful. So Absolutely awful. <laughs> it was one of those movies that they really shouldn't have made, but you know, it is what it is. It was out there and you know, when they st- when they tried to make the move to communists and Russians, that was just a bad and move. And aliens. Yeah, I I understand where they were going because they were trying to make this whole like you know 1950s serial type thing, like you know a pulp type comic, and it just didn't come off well. Just no, it was bad. So, you know, if you guys want to see if you guys want to see good Indiana Jones movies, stop at Last Crusade. That's where they should have stopped and. Leave it at that. <laughs> and, you know, she's she's from my home state. She's from southern Illinois. Really? 
Yes, I, she's from Carrollton, Illinois. I did not know that. <laughs> I, I think know. it's pretty small rural town. Okay. So just just kind of out there. Hopefully they're okay with with the tornado that came hopefully, through. Hopefully, hopefully so. It was it. It's pretty bad here in Illinois today. Uh, well, let's move on here to the next person. Then uh, we'll go ahead and go on with John Forsyth. Uh, he plays as Lou ha- uh, Hayward in the film. Uh, now, John, uh, he was Blake Carrington on Dynasty and the Colbys. Uh, and then he was also what I remember him for is the voice of Charlie in uh, Charlie's Angels TV shows and yes. subsequent movies. The the never seen but always heard. Yes, yes. Although supposedly they made hints for him for you actually seeing him in. I want to say it was Charlie's Angels Full Throttle that he's supposed to be there on the beach when they were running from Demi Moore. But, yeah. You know, I was kind of like, eh, big deal. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I, I liked him on this. You know, I liked, I've always liked John Forsyth, so I kind of liked him that uh, they would put him into this film here. Uh, the next person, John Glover, uh, he plays as Bryce Cummings. Yes, I love. As soon as he popped up on the screen, I went, "Oh my god, wait a minute!" Yes, I kind of did the same thing. I'm like, "Where have I seen this guy before?" Oh no, I knew as soon as I saw him, I went, "Oh my, oh, uh, hold on." Okay, and Jeff was like. Do you know who this is? Yes, yeah, that's Lionel Luther. Yes, that was who I was remembering him. I'm like, oh, Lionel Luther. Now, yeah. <laughs> here's another thing about him is that he's still within the DC universe uh, because John Glover has been the voice of Edward Nigma and the Riddler on the Batman animated series. Really? Yes. I was looking that up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I did not now know I'm this. Now I'm going to have to pay attention when Jeff and Jonathan watch. Now it's, so it's, that I can listen for his voice. Well, this is for the original one. This is for like oh, the, the ninety, the ninety-five, ninety-four version. So the original. If it has to do series. with Batman, we have it. Okay. So. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was uh, I was kind of surprised. He's also on a couple that. episodes of The Good Wife. Yes, and he also was in uh, Gremlins Two, which I kind of vaguely remember because Gremlins Two was one of those just like. You want to forget the movie ever happened? <laughs> Ooh, I'll have to watch that again. I grew up watching Gremlins. I don't, I, but I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, see, I liked the original Gremlins, and somebody suggested that we do Gremlins here for the podcast for Christmas. I don't know if we'll actually get around to it or not, but that's definitely a plan for something we could do. See, I always knew Gremlins to be an Easter thing because it was always on TV at Easter time. Well, at least here. Supposedly in the they have because they had uh, the like snowmen and stuff. They had the snow yeah. that was going on. It was supposed to be that Gizmo was uh, his Christmas gift or something like that. So, but I don't know if I'm going to do it yet or not. We'll have to see. I'll have to talk it over with, with co-hosts and see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now the next person, I I love this guy. Uh, he's a he's a comedian favorite of mine, despite the fact that he's had quite a few problems. Uh, but this guy, Bobcat Goldthwaite, uh, Bobcat, he plays as Elliot Loudermilk in this film who kind of goes off his rocker after he gets fired. Uh, Bobcat's done quite a bit. Uh, he's done stuff in front of the camera for the police Academy movies, uh, police Academy two, three, and four is officers. Ed, uh, he was also the voice of pain. Uh, one of the little demons in the Hercules movie and Hercules TV series for Disney. Oh, okay. And he also, to stay within Disney, uh, he was the voice of XL 
in the Buzz Lightyear Star Command cartoon series. Oh, I knew I recognized his voice. Yeah. But, and I recognize, I mean, I recognized his face too, but I couldn't pinpoint. He's kind of, well, kind of like how you and I were talking about Carrie Alwes, except for Carrie Alwes is more recognizable. Yes. But he's the kind of, he's the guy that you always go, wait. Yeah. I know that guy. What has he been in? Yeah, he's, and he was in, I want to say, I can't for life of me remember off the top of my head. He was, he was with Whoopi Goldberg, and I don't remember if it was in Jumpin' Jack Flash or if it was in Burglar. Uh, but he was in one of those films with her, and he was kind of like he was kind of playing the strug out, kind of off his rocker druggy type. So, kind of fits with him if you ever listen to him doing his whole voice when he's losing it. <laughs> but uh, now the next person I want to bring up here, uh, David Johansson. Uh, he played as the Ghost of Christmas Past. Uh, David. He's not done a whole lot that most people would recognize him for in the way of movies, I I would think. Uh, He did Officer Tootie in the horrible Car 54 Where Are You remake movie that they did. Uh, He also played as Tommy Thanatos in Mr. Nanny with Hulk Hogan. Uh, However, many people may have heard of somebody named Buster Poindexter back in the 80s uh, who sang the song Hot, Hot, Hot. Well, David Johansson was uh, Buster Poindexter. He was Buster Poindexter's alter ego. Yeah, see, I think I'm too young for that. Oops, sorry. Oh, I know you've heard Hot, Hot, Hot. (laughs) I know you've heard Hot, Hot, I might have to look it up and listen to it. There again, he's one of those I looked at and I'm pretty sure I've seen him in something else. Yeah. But that's that's where people will recognize him. He does not look – until you put the you know the tall pompadour type thing on his head, you will look at him and go, that doesn't – I don't recognize him. And then when you hear that and you put – you know, you picture him with a little um, you know, Latino mustache type thing going on, then you'll see it. Uh, hmm. Now, next person that I want to bring up, uh, she was my favorite person in this movie, Carol Kane. Uh, she played as the ghost of Christmas present. I just don't know how anybody could not like her. Yes. You know, she's just, she was just so lovely in this film. And, you know, I, I know that she's aged, but I still love Carol Kane. I, you know, she's, she's got a little place in my heart. here. Uh, you know, everything that we've done with you so far has had something to do with Carol Kane. That's true. Because we we did uh, the Princess Bride last time last one we talked about, and Carol Kane was in that. And so. when we had you on our show, our Wikipedia listener challenge was to link to Carol Kane or to um, Princess Bride. Yes. So. so everything we've done with you, Carol Kane. <laughs> we might just have to make this a theme. <laughs> I may have to work on that for the next time. Finding something with Carol Kane. It, uh, maybe we'll have to do. Because she was in uh, the TV series Taxi back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was also Allison in Annie Hall, which is kind of where she got – she made a name for herself. And, of course, as we mentioned, uh, she plays as Miracle, Miracle Max's wife, Valerie, in Princess Bride. Now, next person we have here, we have Robert Mitchum. Uh, Robert played as Preston Rhinelander, who was Frank Cross's boss. Uh, now, Robert, he really was a huge uh, character actor uh, previous to this. 
Uh, he was best known for, for his roles in both the original 1962 version of Cape Fear and the 1991 version that they uh, remake that they did. Uh, he also played Harry Powell in The Night of the Hunter and Patrick Flynn in the North and South TV miniseries. So, uh, I, you know, I have to be honest that uh, Robert Mitchum, he's one of those people that I hear the name, I know the name, but I always, I never can seem to place his face until I actually see him. But, oh, see, I have the opposite. I looked at his face and I went, oh, I know that guy. Yeah. But then I couldn't, I have no idea what his name is and I have no idea where I've seen him before. Yeah. Uh, now, a couple of other people that I do want to just kind of mention. Uh, there's a scene where you see Bill Murray and he's kind of walking down the street when he's, uh, when he sees Carol, or uh, not Carol Allen, Karen Allen, uh, when he sees her character and they're kind of going to the... Uh, like homeless shelter where she's working and volunteering. And we see some people that are singing and playing. Uh, I, I yes. say we three Kings, but I the, know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. David Sanborn, Miles Davis, Paul Schaefer and Larry Carlton were all street musicians playing the music out there on the street. So I thought that was kind of a nice nod that they were, that they were actually able to be in the movie there. Yes. That is great. And of course, I'm looking at it, and I'm I'm looking, and I didn't know this, and I'm going, "Hey, hey, that's Paul, you know, uh, that's Paul Schaefer. I recognize him." <laughs> I know. didn't know either, and actually, I don't think I was paying attention when we were. I was looking at my, I was looking at IMDb or something on my iPad, <laughs> and then I, like I said, I was looking at IMDb while we were watching it, and I was like, "Wait, they were in here? Where did did I miss them?" Yeah, it was, I I have to be honest, folks, is that it was kind of one of these you blink and you miss it moments, but Mm -hmm. they were in the film there. Uh, We also have a couple of other people that showed up just for a little cameos Mm -hmm. as themselves. Uh, You see Buddy Hackett, who plays as Ebenezer Scrooge in in the live version of Christmas Carol that they're recording. Uh, We also end up having Mary Lou Retton, who shows up as Tiny Tim for that. Oh, uh, God. It was, that was an awful thing. I'm like, really? (laughs) Well, and at one point they call her an acrobat. Yes. (laughs) That just bugged me. I sat up and I went, no. Yes. She's not, she's not an acrobat. She won a gold medal for the U.S. (laughs) What is wrong with you people? Uh, And then, of course, I loved the, the very opening scene that we see. Uh, for the night with the Mr. and Mrs. Di- Claus. Yes, the night the reindeer died with Lee Majors. <laughs> yes. Oh, and Lee, you've been Mrs. a very Claus. good boy. <laughs> we watch Mrs. We see it, and I'm like, wait, Mrs. Claus. I, wait, she's been in stuff. Yes, I unfortunately don't remember where I've seen her, but I know that she's been in other things. So, oh, here I've got her pulled up on IMDb. I know she's been in a lot of things. I just, I, I, it was one, there again, it was one of those that I looked at her and I went, wait, wait. And I know she's played like angry grandma type of thing mm. before. She was in a couple episodes of Lois and Clark. Okay. Um, and some on Married with Children, but I'm not seeing anything big. Well, I did notice, and I, I, Apologize that I can't remember her name, but the woman who played as Ma Fratelli in uh, The Goonies, yes, she was one of yes. the homeless people. And obviously, as that's... soon as she showed up, I went, "Oh my God, wait a minute!" Yep. And yep. I point, I pointed out to Jeff right away. 
Yeah, and I apologize that I can't for life remember her name, but I I know her face, and that's that's how I'm gonna remember her because I know that she was that she did uh, Goonies and she did uh, Throw Mama from the Train, which that was a forgettable movie with Danny DeVito and Billy Crystal. So stay oh, away. Oh sure. <laughs> well, and Kathy Keeney's in it too, or Kathy Kinney's in it, um, who played Mimi Carey on oh, the Drew yes. Carey show. Yes, she plays the nurse that's on set. Oh jeez. So I'll have to I'll have to take a look and go back for that so I can pick that up. But uh, let's go ahead. We'll roll into the plot here for the film. Uh, for those who haven't seen the film, basically what it is, it, it again, as I mentioned before, it's very loosely based on A Christmas Carol. Uh, we start off by seeing Frank Cross, who's kind of playing the role of Ebenezer Scrooge in this film. Uh, he's kind of a cynical television programming exec. Uh, he kind of just became this great exec by being cold and calculating and cruel. And when we kind of go back and look with the ghost of Christmas past, uh, we kind of get a chance to learn a little bit about why he is that way. Uh, his, you know, his attitude is kind of alienated to him from, uh, his true love, Claire Phillips, who's played by Karen Allen. Uh, it's alienated to him from his brother, James, who actually is his real life brother, John Murray. Uh, and it's kind of just ruined him overall. Uh, he overworks his assistant, uh, Grace, and we get a chance to see her son, who one of her sons, who's uh, he actually has a problem that he saw his father get killed. And so because of that, it's kind of messed him up and he's not wanted to speak and he's just kind of tuned himself out for the world. Uh, a PTSD kind of thing. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, we also do see... Uh, uh, we see that there at the start we're seeing some of the commercials and Frank kind of – he kind of gets pissed off because uh, Elliot Loudermilk, uh, he kind of says, you know what? I really don't think that that's a good idea for you know putting this out for the Christmas Carol because it has nothing to do with the Christmas Carol and how the video is going on. And the commercial is just like you see explosions and horror film type stuff cut together for this. And, and then some poor woman dies watching it. Yes. And he's like, oh, we can't buy press like this. And then the press calls. It was awful. Yeah. Uh, but Frank ends up, he responds by firing him on Christmas Eve. And, and basically, Elliot Loudermilk is kind of playing the role of Jacob Marley. Or, uh, not. I'm sorry, not Jacob Marley. He's playing um, the role of Bob Cratchit. In, from A Christmas Carol. Uh, so you kind of see that, and he's kind of just being harped on and everything. Uh, so he kind of he's kind of starts going through this. Uh, Frank ends up seeing the decomposing corpse of his mentor, which I had to laugh at, because you see the guy, and he's... He hilarious. In, he's got the golf ball in the back of his head, and a little flap, and the mouse comes crawling out, the hole in the back of his head. I was just like, oh, jeez. Oh, it was disgusting, but it was hilarious oh, to yeah. watch. Yeah, just I mean, it, it creeped me out, but it was great. And he looks <laughs> like he's. It looks like they just covered him in like dust. Yes. Like they scooped all of the dust they could out of a room that hadn't been used in years, and just caked it on him. I don't know. I gotta say, the makeup job that they did for that was excellent. I don't know how they did it, but good job, guys. <laughs> He was uh, – you, you wouldn't want to touch him with a 10-foot pole. It's like oh. – Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we do see that that uh, Frank kind of starts going off of his rocker at this point. Uh, he thinks he's kind of going crazy, and 
So his boss, uh, Preston, brings in an assistant, Bryce Cummings, um, who is basically he's kind of trying to stab Frank in the back and steal his job. And we kind of see that at the start. And Frank, at this point, he kind of starts going off and he starts seeing things that he really shouldn't while he's having dinner. And, you know, he's already the been The eyeball in the glass. And yeah. The, the guy's arm catching on fire. And... Yeah. Uh, just, it, it kind of takes this this spiral down. Uh, and as he leaves, he says, you know what, I got to get out of here. I got to go catch a cab. And he he goes out to go catch the cab. And, of course, who, who shows up but uh, the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> Which... And that was like the most terrifying cab ride. <laughs> I mean, we've been in really bad cab rides in Chicago, but nothing compared to that. Oh, uh, it was just, it was great. Cause we get a chance. He, he ends up taking him back in time. Uh, and you start seeing Frank in his childhood in 1955. And we get a chance to see why Frank is kind of the way that he is. And for Christmas back in 1955, his father is a butcher and his father brings him, I want to say it was like five pounds of veal for Christmas. And it's like, here, Merry Christmas, kid. But dad, I wanted a train set. Get a job. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And his mom's just kind of sitting there and I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure she's big, huge pregnant and smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Quintessential like fifties housewife, but she's like, stop messing with the kid. He's only four. Yeah. He's just four. Well, a four-year-old kid wants five pounds of veal for Christmas. And I know he does say later on, you know, that was Christmas. Yes. You had to open it right. The only thing you got to open on Christmas Eve was something that had to be refrigerated or spoil. Yeah. Which, you know, it's unfortunate, but that we kind of get a little peek into his childhood there. Uh, we do get a chance to see in 1968 when he lands his first job at the TV station – and and he's screaming was, at himself go back go back yes she was into you you know and she's she's handing him photocopies of her butt and i just was like oh she's handing everybody in the office yes <laughs> a photocopy of her butt i was just like oh jeez xerox uh, but we, and then from there we see him going to 1969 where he meets up with claire and they have their anniversary uh, we, they, he jumps forward to, when we see his job as Frisbee, the dog, which that was, I'm watching that and I'm thinking, oh my God, the horror, the horrors of that, just being in that costume. And he's, he pulls it off halfway through and he's just dripping with sweat. And I'm thinking, well, and you really see the change in his attitude towards his job and life. Yeah. And he That's kinda, when you really start to see the change that him becoming a workaholic. Yeah. And I mean, when he kind of told off, when he kind of told off Karen Alex's character, I was just like, really, you're choosing this, this horrible job over her. You want more money and you're going to be dancing around in a dog suit. And that's more dignifying than being with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we kind of see that, and it it basically shows Frank how he's become who he is now. Uh, then, of course, we get to go in, and Carol Kane shows up, and that was just great. I mean, she's dressed she's dressed to the nines as a pixie, and she's got the fairy wings and everything. Just oh, it, it was hilarious to see it, and of course, she's like she's being so sweet, and then she's like slapping him and beating him up. 
punching him, kicking him. Yeah. And she's doing all this to transport him. You know, half the time she's hitting him in the head, transport him or slapping him to get him somewhere. And we see him, uh, we see him getting hit and he ends up underneath in some building. And I'm not sure where the building was, but he actually meets, uh, we actually get a chance to see him meet uh, one of the guys that was in the homeless shelter where Karen Allen's character was working. Mm-hmm. And, that was kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, you see him and he's basically sitting there and he's completely frozen. He's become, you know, a bumsicle, unfortunately. And this is a sad reality that does happen. And we get a chance to see it. And he's like, no, you fool. You should have taken the watch that I gave you and sold it. Why are you here? You should have stayed with Claire. She would have kept you warm. She would have fed you. She would have, yeah, she would have taken care of you. And so you see him, he, he knows that life could be different yeah. and that she is a good person and she could be, ta- I think I, I looked at it and saw, you know, he realizes that she could be taking care of him and that she, you know, she has this warm heart yet yeah. he is so cold yeah, I mean, and then he gets uh, he gets taken to the his assistant's uh, family's house, and you get to see how she's living basically in poverty in Harlem. And... Who there? We didn't talk about Alfred Woodward, who is phenomenal. Go ahead. I will let you go off on uh, Miss Woodward here. Oh, she's been in Copper or, or yeah, Copper. I think yeah, Copper, and she was in True Blood for a while. She, I believe she was, in, well, she was in the new Steel Magnolias that Lifetime did that we were talking about earlier today. Um, I believe she was one of the ladies on Wisteria Lane for um, Desperate Housewives for a season or so. Really? Because I, mm-hmm. I have to be honest, I missed that. But then again, my wife is the huge Desperate Housewives fan, so <laughs> I'm sure she'll yell at me later for that. <laughs> no, she's she's been in quite a few things over time um she was in k-pax with um uh kevin spacey kevin spacey jeff bridges um she's she has been in quite a bit over the years i'll have to go back and hunt it down i i i know that she's done stuff and unfortunately it just wasn't putting a face to a name for me i was kind of like okay <laughs> But, well, it's been a while, too, since 88. True. So she's changed in looks a bit. I wouldn't say she's aged horribly, but she's she's aged. You know, she's not like Carol Kane was, where Carol Kane, you can tell that she's aged. I'm, you know, she looked, I will say she looked great in this film, you know, being mm-hmm. a Christmas present. But, you, you know, now you look at her and you can see the wrinkles and she looks her age, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, she still looks good. Like I said, she has a place in my heart. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we do see, as we progress in the plot, uh, we do kind of get a chance to see the stinginess. We get to see that, uh, you know, that his assistant's son actually is pretty smart and that everybody's kind of beating down on him because he hasn't spoken since his father got killed. And we don't actually know this until we see what's going on with the ghost of Christmas present. Uh, we also get a chance to see what's going on with, uh, with his brother, James, 
and his brother James is having a huge Christmas party, and they have friends over, and they're all playing a trivia uh, trivia game. And that was actually kind of funny because there's, you know, they're they're trying to figure out what the name of the boat was for Gilligan's Island. <laughs> USS Mackerel. Yeah, so like, no! <laughs> like screaming at the TV. Oh, I I was sitting there screaming at the TV as well as I'm I'm going, no, you fools, no, I know well, what this is. <laughs> and the woman that played his wife um, was on Just Shoot Me. Ah, uh, yes, time. Wendy Malick. Yes. Uh, she's also on. She has a um, very small role in this, but she she was on things too. Yeah, she she's done that, and then she's also uh, more recently been in Hot in Cleveland on TV Land. With, oh, uh, I, I haven't watched that one. It's okay. Um, I watched a season of it. It has Betty White in it, who is absolutely hilarious in the in the show. Uh, Valerie Bertinelli. Um, it's got uh, the woman who played Daphne from. Uh, Frasier. I can't for life oh, remember okay. her name. But they're all supposed to be like these hot cougar types that are living in Coug- in Cleveland. So it's an okay show. It's not one of my favorites. Uh, but if you want a good laugh, you can watch it because Betty White is just absolutely hilarious in that show. <laughs> there again, how can you get better than Betty White? Yes. Yes. She's just – she has a, a, a she has a knack for deadpan. That's all I can say. <laughs> She's hysterical, and she's always been hysterical. My sister used to watch the Golden Girls nonstop. Oh, I and she was just hilarious. She she plays dumb very very well. Yes, yes. And I know that my co-host wants to talk about uh, the Golden Girls. We probably will end up having an episode about that at some point. Uh, now, after we do see the Ghost of Christmas Present with Carol Kane. Uh, we kind of get a chance to see Elliot Loudermilk. He shows back up. Uh, he's drunk and angry. He storms the office with the shotgun. He tries to murder Frank. Uh, Ghost of Christmas Future shows up, and he's kind of like, it, it, "It's it was great because when he shows up, he's he Frank gets pulled into this elevator, and you see him, and he's like, oh, really nice. Uh, you, you know, you're the ghost. Uh, that's really good makeup that the guys downstairs are doing for you. And he pulls open the robe, and as he pulls open the robe, you see like three different bodies that are trapped inside his rib cage and they're all like screaming to get out. And he looks and he's kind of like, Oh, Oh, Oh man, not really, really. Okay. <laughs> and that's when he realizes that it's the ghost of Christmas future. Uh, and at that point you kind of get a chance to see what happens in the future because he hasn't changed. And we see uh, his assistant son, Calvin, has been put into an institution and he's basically sitting in a rubber room and he's just not coming out of it. And he's like, he's, he's starting to cry and he's like, no, this is horrible. He goes, look, he goes, I know some doctors. We'll get somebody from, you know, Cedar Sinai. We'll get him out to the Mayo Clinic. I, I know people. We'll get him taken care of. Get him out of here. This is ridiculous. And, you know, he starts, he starts kind of changing. He's realizing how bad things are getting. And next thing you see is you see him going through in a coffin and his family's all standing around. They're like, oh, you know, he really, well, he was Frank, you know, Frank was Frank. And that's kind of the attitude that everybody has. It's very few people there and they're sending the coffin in to be incinerated and cremated. And he's just kind of, he kind of wakes up and he realizes I've done, I've been a horrible, horrible person. And so he kind of begs for a second chance. He wakes back in the elevator uh, and it's kind of right as live broadcasts are starting to wrap up. They're doing the whole Ebenezer Scrooge coming out and saying, 
hey, you know, uh, I'm really sorry. You know, what day is it? It's Christmas. And then he kind of comes out and interrupts the entire show and walks out wearing a business suit while everybody else is wearing Victorian outfits. And he's kind of like, he's kind of like, oh my God, I can't believe this. He rehires Loudermilk and says, you know, Loudermilk, look, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an end to office. You know, I'll give you an office that overlooks. Do you like my office? You can have that. And he's kind of going off this whole thing. They hold the control room hostage and he kind of goes off on this entire story, this entire tirade of, you know, Christmas really should be about being with family. Um, you know, it, it should be spending the people spending time with the people you care about instead of watching TV because that was how he was at the very beginning of, of the film. Mm-hmm. And then of course at the very end we do see uh Calvin kind of pulls and uh, pulls on his sleeve and urges him, you know, he adds Tiny Tim's phrase, "God bless us everyone." And his mom starts kind of crying and then uh he has this romantic kiss with Grace and you know with uh Karen Allen's character. And the cast and crew start singing, put a little love in your heart. And that's kind of where the film ends. So, you know, it, it's not a new story for anybody who's seen it. But if you want a good laugh, this film will do it. <laughs> well, and he's kind of like the Grinch. His heart grew five sizes at the very end. Yes, yes. He, he definitely realized the error of his ways and came about. So I'm glad for it. Uh, so... One thing I did forget to do, and I'm going to kind of stop here real quick before we go any further, uh, since normally I try to do this within the cast. Uh, I'm going to let you pick an actor or actress, whoever you'd like from the film, and we're going to link him to Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh, see now, I have you figured out here. Okay. Because Carol is in this. So whoever I give you, you can link to Carol Kane and then do the same thing you did for um, Princess Bride. I could, but I won't. Let's go with John Glover. John Glover. Okay. What I'm going to do, I'm going to link John Glover to Bill Murray in Scrooged. And then I'm going to go Bill Murray to Kevin Bacon in Wild Things. Oh, see, that one's too easy. Yes. Yes. That was just way too easy. Yes, I know. And a lot of people are going, Bill Murray was in Wild Things? Yes, he plays Nev Campbell's lawyer. And he's a slimy lawyer. And it's just, it's absolutely great. And if you haven't seen the movie, uh, I will warn people that there is quite a bit of topless scenes in the film. And there's there's some stuff that you may be a little turned off by, but... It is a twisted movie, and you don't actually start seeing everything until the credits are rolling. So if you want to see something that's good, go watch that film. Uh, I have to check that one out. I don't think I've ever seen that one all the way through. Yeah, it's a lot of twists and turns and a lot of plots that are going on and a lot of subplots. But at the very end, you're kind of like, oh, my God, she was – oh, they were – oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, yeah, and I will let everybody else know that, you know, there's the topless scene with Denise Richards. And for those women who have always wondered what Kevin Bacon has down below, you get a chance to see his little piece of bacon. Oh, good. Good to know, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing this and it was horrible because the girl I was seeing it with, I was dating this girl and we went to go see it in the theaters. She told me, she goes, oh, I have to see the movie. I have to see the movie. I'm like, okay, because she loved Kevin Bacon. She was, like, enamored with Kevin Bacon. 
Oh, Lord. And then we're standing there, and all of a sudden he comes out of the shower, and he's toweling himself off, and he lets the towel slip, and it's kind of like, <gasps> I did not need to see that. <laughs> and that oh, was Lord. pretty much it. And she was just like, <gasps> I got to see Kevin Bacon's thing. Yes. And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I saw Kevin Bacon's thing. I'm like, just, Yeah. She was she was embarrassed that I was sitting there seeing Denise Richards topless, and that was – it's not a date movie, folks, but it's still a really good twisted film. So if you want something good for plot, go watch it. Sounds <laughs> good. Yeah, it is. it is, And I mean I, I think you'd probably like it. I think Jeff would like it as well, but just be aware that, of what's going on before you go see it. It is rated R for a reason. Uh, so – I did want to talk a little bit of trivia about the film here. Uh, at the very end of the movie, when everybody's singing Put a Little Love in Your Heart, uh, Frank does say, among a couple of other things, he yells out, Feed Me, Seymour. And it's yes. actually – this is a reference for anybody who's ever seen any musicals. Sarah, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And I'm... Yes, absolutely. Jeff actually has done this with some of his high school kids before. <laughs> Oh, Seymour too with from uh, or Audrey too, excuse me, uh, from uh, Little Shop of Horrors, and yes. Bill Murray actually plays he plays a like a sadist uh, or not a sadist a masochistic uh, uh, person with a problem with his teeth, and Steve Martin's character is in there trying to drill his teeth, which I had the to dentist. Laugh at. Yes. Oh, I, the dentist. Yeah. <laughs> If you have problems going to see the dentist, don't watch that movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I, you already have fears of the dentist, don't. Yeah, it's just horrible. It's some hilarious. Of the stuff that he does. <laughs> but it's absolutely hilarious. But not worth it if you have a fear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, when we do see the ghost of Christmas present, uh, when she first appears in the film. Uh, she makes she says to Frank Cross, "I'm a little muddled," and this is actually a direct quote uh, from Glinda the Good Witch in The Wizard of Oz when she first meets Dorothy in Munchkinland. So I thought that was kind yes. of neat that they put that in. Uh, and while we're talking about Carol Kane, mm -hmm. I saw a bit of trivia that she actually had a big problem with hurting people. Yes, she seems to be a very passive person, so she got she get really upset when she had to do some of the things that she did to Bill Murray. And at, at one of the first things she does, she pulls down his lip and she actually hurt him fairly badly when she did that. And they had to stop production a few days yeah. while he healed because she pulled on his lip so hard. I just, I saw that. I'm like, ah, oh, and between that and then hitting him in the face with the toaster. <laughs> Oh, well, she, you know, she kicks him in the balls, punches yes. him in the face, the whole nine yards. But she, really, she's this very passive person. It was very upset yeah. to have to do all these things to this poor guy that it really was kind of, kind of taking pull on her emotionally. Yeah, I, <laughs> to I have just... to keep her this poor man over and over. Over and over again. Yeah, I just I felt so bad for her, but you know, it is what it is. Unfortunately, and she she did a great job of pulling it off. I mean, I loved her character so much in this film because she beat up on him. And oh, and she was hilarious. Yes, 
Uh, she's she's fantastic. Now, did you happen to catch any of the names of the, the Christmas television shows from the IBC network uh, when they were first opening up? Uh, uh, I'm paying attention, but I don't remember what they were. Well, they had The Night the Reindeer Died, uh, Bob Goulet's... Oh, Father Loves Beaver. Yes. That was my favorite. <laughs> Father Loves Beaver. Yes. Where's Dad? Oh, you know him. He's probably out chasing Beaver. I was just like, really? <laughs> they let that go through? <laughs> I was cracking up. I couldn't stop laughing. I, I'm pretty sure we might have had to have paused the movie. Oh. Because I was laughing so hard when they did that. Oh, and of course, when they're going through the, all these clips of, of things that was all packaged with this uh, with, with this slogan, you'll love it, Y-U-L-E. Yes, you'll. That was so it was and, so it was so bad. Oh, yes. It's hilarious. Yes, it reminded me of something like straight out of Weird Al Yankovic, you know, this UHF or something like that. It just was it was so bad. But when I liked the the old fashioned caging Christmas. Yes. <laughs> and you see Robert Goulet and he's like looking down there and he's pulling mm-hmm. along and sees a gator and it's kinda like, um <laughs> yeah, and you hear all the crickets and the frogs and stuff as he's singing and pushing himself through this like I, bog. I love that. It was just it was so great. Um now I know that you had some notes about the uh uh, about the score, so I'm going to let you go ahead and go off on that because I know I had a couple of comments that I wanted to make on it as well. Uh, I, I think the thing was just once you really listen to it, and like I said, we're big, huge Batman fans. And he, of course, Danny Elfman wrote the score for the, oh, what was it, 80s Batman with Michael Keaton. Um, yes. And if you really listen to the score on this, and like Nightmare Before Christmas and, and many of the yes. things that Danny Elfman has done, you can tell that it's Danny Elfman because they all sound very, very similar. Yes, and there was a scene which I was watching, and I want to say it was right before he goes upstairs to meet the the uh, the. And Ghost you can of hear the Batman too. theme. I could well, I could hear like from Nightmare Before Christmas, where you hear in the background, and they're all singing with the chorus, uh, the kind of on running theme. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing the la 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 type thing that they were doing for Nightmare Before Christmas because I go every year at Disneyland. They do. Uh, they now change out the Haunted Mansion to the Nightmare Before Christmas. <gasps> really? Yes. Yes. And they have oh, you know Jack Skellington. Oh, I have to come see that. It's it's incredible. They they do it so good. They have Oogie Boogie. They have Jack Skellington. They have all the characters, and they are going down through. And as you start going down through, you hear Nightmare Before Christmas music going through. And it's like, I'm listening to it. And I'm going, oh, my God, I hear Danny Elfman left and right. Oh, here. I wish I could see that. That I, We might have to come out to California while the, the Haunted Mansion is like one of my favorites. Yeah, they, they um, usually start it right around the beginning of October. And they'll run it from October all the way through to January. And they'll have Nightmare Before Christmas. It's all redone. And it, it's absolutely phenomenal when they do it it's well, i told you we want to come out to california in the winter so we might have to come out and go to disneyland so i can see that <laughs> that would be that would be awesome it is it, it's amazing. absolutely but, incredible to see so definitely yeah if you, no, guys if you listen oh yeah definitely uh, that that's going to be on my list now i love 
we love Nightmare Before Christmas in my family. And and love the haunted mansion. So to see that that would be that that sounds like it's really awesome. But if you listen, I mean, if you listen to the score in this, there's so many different points that I went, wait, I hear this. Yes. Wait, now I hear this movie. And they're they're all just he's fantastic. Yeah. He does amazing the Batman theme was it's one of favorites. I yeah. love the Batman. And you know me. I, I if it's Batman, <laughs> it's good in my book for the most part. But you can hear you can not tell that it's Danny Elfman because it's just so similar and it's so it's almost like he's repeating the same score and just altering it slightly. Yeah. For all of these different movies. And I mean, I look at this and I kind of go, wow, he's come so far from Dead Man's Party with Oingo Boingo to this. Oh, I've never seen that. Oh, well, no, no. Check that out. Uh, yeah, when he was with Oingo Boingo, because he was actually, I want to say he was the front man for Oingo Boingo. And they did a song called Dead Man's Party. And if you hear it, it's, they usually play it all around Halloween time. And it's a definite, you hear it and you hear some of the Beetlejuice type influence. You hear some of the Batman influence in it. So it's kind of I'll neat. have to check that out. Yeah, if you if you have ever seen uh Back to School with uh Robert Downey Jr. and um Rodney Dangerfield, there's actually a scene mm, where they have a party. Have. Yeah, they they have a party and they invite he invites Oingo Boingo to play at the party and they're singing Dead Man's Party, so one of those little tidbits there for you to pick up on. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, I think that's pretty much it. I've kind of – I don't have anything else to add here unless you have something else you want to add. The only thing that I think of is that every time I saw Carol uh, Carol Kane, all I could think was, comforting, comforting, comforting. <laughs> yes. Seriously, even looking at her picture on IMDb while we've been talking here, all I can, every time I see her, all I can think is, comforting, comforting. Yes. And she's yelling at her husband. She's just, she's so great. She uh, is. Just, she's hilarious. And she's fantastic at everything. I don't think I've ever seen anything that I didn't like Carol Kane. Yeah. So. Which is hard to say about a lot of actors anymore. Yes. So I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode then of talking about my generation. Uh, I do want to. Uh, say thank you for everybody who's listening. Uh, please feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. Uh, you can also send us a tweet. I am at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T, Sprizout. Uh, you can also visit us at MyGenerationPodcast.com. And Sarah, why don't you tell everybody where they can go in and find out information about uh, Trivial Trivia Podcast? Oh, if you go to Facebook, you can search Trivial Trivia Podcast, and you'll find our Facebook page there. I'm sure you like us. We put lots of updates on this. You can find us in iTunes, just search Trivial Podcast, and you can find us online at TrivialTriviaPodcast.com. All right. So I think I'm going to go ahead and sign off this episode here with uh, Put a Little Love in Your Heart since they ended Scrooged on that film. And we'll go ahead and close this out.